Hi, it's Melissa Moore, and welcome to Mile High Magazine. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday morning. Well, excited to talk with the Assistant Director for the State of Colorado for 9 to 5, Ashley Pinelli. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for uh, inviting me today. Well, thank you for being here. Tell me a little bit, because I have to admit, I'm not familiar with 9 to 5. Yeah, so we are a national organization. We've been around for almost 50 years. We work on women's economic justice issues. Um, so I'm based in the Colorado chapter, and there we focus a lot on housing justice and um, work-family balance uh, issues, so things like paid family and medical leave, paid sick time, um, as well as equal pay for equal work. So when you say you work on it, how, what does that mean? Like, give me an idea of some of the things that you do. Sure. So we are um, a member-based grassroots organizing organization. So really what that means is that we organize folks who are directly impacted by the issues that we prioritize. They're the ones who kind of lead our priority areas. And we get together and strategize around how to change policy through base building and power building on a community level. Um, And we often work in the legislature Recently, we worked on a ballot initiative, um, but it's really uh, gathering that community voice to come together and push for changes um, that are impacting them. And what kind of changes have you seen in the past year trying to do this work with COVID, with Black Lives Matter, with a lot of the different movements that we've been seeing? You know, we have been doing work around paid family and medical leave, renter's rights, affordable housing, housing justice for many years now. But we've seen that in the past year with a global pandemic, with just a spotlight on the racial inequities that are just becoming impossible to ignore, Mm -hmm. that these issues are actually coming to the forefront. We've been talking about them for a long time, and now they're finally being spotlighted because the pandemic has highlighted um really that they exist and more than ever so we have seen um probably more movement on some of these issues than we have in a long time so i know and you kind of pointed it out perfectly that you've been talking about it for for quite a while but now more so the world is starting to talk about it and recognize things that you've known absolutely absolutely i mean you know it's just hard to ignore now when we're seeing that people are losing their jobs and those people are mostly women and women of color and that just it's a ripple effect that impacts everything Mm -hmm. you know how do you put food on the table for your families how do you make rent every month Um, and when it's just happening on this mass scale we have to address it yeah and I'm glad you are you know I think I think it is such an important issue and where do you start I mean it is a huge problem a huge issue so how do you find a place to start with this you know we generally ask folks where they want to start like what are the immediate needs today so that you can just get by and then continue to push for more change tomorrow and you know a lot of folks we're hearing um are the one of the biggest things that they need help with today is rental assistance, mm-hmm. staying housed, making sure that they're not being put on the street um, when they don't have a job or any income coming in. Right. And and I know I've, I've talked to different organizations, and that's a huge problem because then it becomes a homeless problem. And then trying to get back into an apartment or a home is difficult, and it just really does snowball. 
Absolutely. Uh, once you were talking about homelessness, I mean, the issues that are compounding that many of us don't even think about on a day-to-day. I mean, people aren't even getting a full night's sleep without being woken up and told they need to move. Mm-hmm. People haven't had a hot shower, a hot meal. I mean, how are we supposed to expect people in those conditions to then be able to get a job with a living wage that will get them back on their feet? Right, and Colorado is not a cheap place to live. Absolutely not. And I'm um, sure that that contributes to this as well. Definitely, definitely. And we're seeing that when we don't really have any stipulations around um, things like rent control and landlords are able to increase people's rents at their discretion, um, we're seeing that more than a quarter of people report themselves as rent burdened. In Colorado, we're, we're saying that means that you're paying more than 50% of your income on your rent. Oh, my gosh. So say that again. What is that, what is that term called? Rent burden. Rent burden. Um, okay. Yeah, and in many places, you know, rent burden is uh, about if you're paying more than 30% of your income on rent, you're considered rent burden. But the crisis in Colorado is um, so immense that we're seeing that that number is going well beyond 50% for a lot of low-wage workers and low-income families. So what is maybe one of the solutions for that problem? Um, One of the solutions would definitely be lifting the ban on rent control in the state of Colorado Right now, there is a law that says we can't even have a conversation about controlling rents, that different municipalities and counties um, can't really make that decision um, based on their own community needs because of that state law. Mm -hmm. At the very least, one very basic step is to lift that ban so we can start the conversation. Do you know off the top of your head other states, other cities where they do have rent, um, the the control, um, and that, that law is in effect so that the rent can't just be raised and it's working? Um, let's see. You know, I know that um, places like New York and California have rent control. Mm-hmm. I know that people, many people say that Colorado isn't um, one of these, you know, bigger cities, but... I would say that is all the more reason that it makes it even more possible that mm-hmm. we just have less people um, that we and it should be more manageable on a smaller scale. OK, OK. And tell me a little bit about, you know, the statement that housing justice is a women's issue. So, you know, what we're seeing is that we can't separate out different issues. So in Colorado and in many other states, you know, focusing on Colorado, um, the highest percentage of low-wage workers are women of color. And in Colorado, women um, make up the majority of primary income earners for their households. So when you have people whose wages are too low to make rent, you know, in Colorado, minimum wage is something like a little over $11. um, And we're seeing that for someone to manage their rent, they should be making a minimum of $20 an hour to meet that demand to pay their rent in Colorado, um, it just becomes a women's issue because the folks who are most economically burdened are women. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the income to pay your rent, that becomes a housing issue. Well, and I would would have to assume from other organizations that I've worked with, uh, single moms, single moms of color, that is a huge issue right now uh, with the wages not matching the, the, what it takes to live in Colorado. 
Absolutely. And, you know, there is a report that came out that a lot of people have been citing in December due to the pandemic. 100 percent of the job loss fell on women. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. That is that's a little shocking, I have to tell you. It, it was it's quite shocking. I did a double take myself. And um, yeah, 100 percent of job loss can be accounted for as women's jobs, women's work. Um, and that is one reason women are being pushed out of the workforce. Um, another, they're leaving because of caretaking responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are no protections for them when they need to take care of their children or their sick family members. Women are the primary caretakers in their households. So all of these things just compound into severe economic insecurity. Yeah, you know, that is very interesting. You say this. I was talking to a friend of mine, single mom, three kids, and she said, you know, I'm trying to work from home because because of COVID. I'm trying to balance the care of the kids. There's not a lot of help out there. And she's terrified of losing her job. Yeah, yeah, that is really unfortunate. And what makes it even more unfortunate is that this is not a unique issue. This is something so many women, single moms, are facing every day. Right. And and is it right that there's just no protection for women saying, hey, I'm doing the best I can. I'm working from home, but I've got to go pick up my child at school, but I'll be back. And yet employers can let you go. Exactly. And we don't really have the and that I think is another thing that the pandemic has highlighted that we just don't have the infrastructure and the security needed for that type of care, right? Like there is a whole economy of care um, that is just being um, sort of underrepresented in terms of labor justice issues. Um, Caretaking isn't really seen as like um, essential labor. It's often unpaid labor, yet we absolutely rely on that labor to keep our communities running and people are just asking for a little help and they're getting none and we need to create infrastructures that allow people to care for themselves and their loved ones and just address the reality that in a modern world women are working and taking care of their families and Mm -hmm. there's no way they can make the choice between one or the other. Right. And I feel like that's exactly what so many women feel is that they have to make a choice. And how do you make that choice between picking your kids up from school or getting them to an activity and working to keep a roof over your head? Definitely. I mean, nobody should have to make that choice. There's no answer um, because that is just an improbable question. Right. It really is. And it's frustrating for me as a woman to hear so many women that I know who are single moms that are struggling, that are living paycheck to paycheck and in fear of losing their job. If they have a sick child, they're like, I can't stay home and take care of my sick child today. Yeah. And it's just really alarming at the rate that this is happening to low wage workers and women of color in particular. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're just really seeing that there's just deep seated racial and gender inequities um, that have been accumulating over generations that have right. led us to the point that, are, that is why this is the current makeup of there are particular groups in our society um, that are being impacted the hardest. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell me some of the challenges that come with organizing for women's issues in the political culture and climate that we've got now. You know, I think one of the biggest challenges we've seen um, at 9 to 5 Colorado is that when we talk about women's issues, we really do want to highlight 
policy changes for the women who are being the most impacted by economic injustice. And again, that is low-wage workers, women of color, single moms. And when we talk about women's issues, sometimes um, we kind of focus on on a more on a more moderate solution on, um, you know, we focus on women who might have a little more financial security. We focus a lot on white women, educated women. Um, and those are the folks who are seen as a little more deserving. Um, while time and time again, um, the women who are being the most impacted are kind of left out of, um, the economic justice or economic security policies that we're pushing forward. They just aren't, they don't go far enough for people who are struggling that much more. So we're really trying to highlight an intersectional lens and framework when we do our work to say, hey, you know, we want economic justice for all women, and not all women are on the same level in terms of their needs. So we really need to focus on this equity piece. Mm, And I think that is a great point. So why do you think there is such a big difference with that equity piece? Because you talked about the moderate women, uh, you know, white women that maybe are a little bit more financially stable, that that's where the conversation tends to go to. Why do you think that is? You know, I just think that we have this narrative um, that we're comfortable with, that when we we say things like, you know, we want um, economic justice for all, but all um, never really includes all. So we have to just be more targeted in our language about who we are including, um, because it's just people um, who are in more vulnerable positions. Part of the vulnerability is that they're just more easily overlooked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you're you're so right about, I mean, just having the honest conversations and bringing it to the forefront. Absolutely. And yeah, then I, taking action. <laughs> yeah, I think we should just stop mincing our words yeah. and just be really direct about who we're talking about. Yep. Here, you know, and we're really focusing on uplifting the leadership and the needs of the most directly impacted women. Again, that's generally low wage workers who are women of color. Mm hmm. And I think you're right. I mean, it's kind of that name it, claim it, and let's have that real conversation so that we can have real action. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I've got to tell you, I've enjoyed our conversation. Nine to five Colorado. What is the website for people that want to get some more information? Head over to nine to five dot org. They can also like us on Facebook. If you just type in nine to five Colorado, you can follow all of our actions. All right. Ashley Pinelli with nine to five Colorado. Thank you so much for your time and just shedding some light on these issues today. Thank you for having me. I'm Melissa Moore. It is Mile High Magazine. Thanks so much for joining us on this Sunday morning. For more information, you can always go to the radio station's website and we'll hook you up there. And thanks again for joining us. Go out. Have a great Sunday. Be-